0: Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast, where we help B2B starters take their companies from startups to scale-ups. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I've Offer, your vexel on the show to share his startup to scale-up journey. Offer is the CEO and co-founder of Peppery. Peppery is a B2B sales platform for brands and wholesale distributors. I think these founder stories are so interesting and valuable to founders. And this episode offers transparent about his journey with what worked, what didn't work and what he would do differently. A couple of the topics we dig into are why he bootstrapped and how that worked out really well, how he broke through growing beyond his network, his go-to-market strategy and what you can learn from it. Plus a whole lot more. I think you'll really enjoy this one. Please share, like, and subscribe. It is really appreciated. Now onto the interview. Hey, good morning Offer, welcome to the program. Good morning, thank you for hosting me. Ah, it's great to have you. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Anytime I can get a B2B founder that's enjoying a, a high level of success, it's it's a, a thrill to get you on. So before I get into some of my questions, it'd be great if you give the audience just a little bit about your background and, and Peppery and what you guys are working on today. My background, uh, I'm like, unfortunately
1: almost 30 years in technology and uh, been uh, to different uh, IT companies, always in software, always in enterprise software, and served some of the largest companies in the world also before Peppery. Always uh, quite early in my career, I was an executive level in companies like uh, MDOX, uh, and uh, traded in Nasdaq and and Jakarta and a few others. Before that, I was in the Navy for like six years, uh officer and uh and and that's it
0: basically the rest is history as they say yeah.
1: right <laughs> yeah and i'm from israel if it was not clear from my accent so i'm israeli <laughs> got it got
0: it got it no that that's helpful and then peppery how long ago did you start the company
1: yeah and in respect to peppery like over 11 years now reaching toward the 12 year peppery is uh providing a complete B2B sales solution that uh, encompassing all the B2B sales needs of companies that are selling physical goods, mainly consumer goods. We are serving customers all over the world, around 70 countries that we have customer Customers that are large customers like Anycan, uh, Dermalogica, if you're familiar with, Kimberly-Clark, as well as many small and medium ones, but the majority of them are medium to large, the big majority of our customers. We have around over 1,000 customers worldwide. And what's differentiated us in general is the ability really to serve the entire spectrum of B2B sales, which uh, typically you'll find different companies, different solutions serving the, the traditional offline sales, meaning reps on the road, in that respect of uh, physical goods, uh, selling from mobile devices on native, typically, technology, and e-commerce, which typically is running on browser, online technology. Peppery is providing the complete solution and both technologies from one unified uh, business logic. We are not integrating two business logic to, to talk between them. No, it's really one business logic serving both the offline world and the online world, which is quite unique. Yes. Uh, Typically, when you go to medium to large companies, when they publish a bid, it will be completely separated between these two uh, with two separate solutions and two business logics. And with Peppery, everything is in, in one place as a product. And when I say as a product, I mean that the product can really be configured and not customized but configured, meaning without coding, to cover every business scenario you might be thinking of uh, within, this, within this world, of course, of B2B sales, which is, again, quite unique, mainly on the native side of the business. I mean, native applications, native technology.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. And, you know, I you joked about 30 years in technology. You know, I hate to admit I've been 30 years now in the, the B2B space myself and kind of bounce back and forth between enterprise and startups. And, you know, you're right with the technology, you know, just the sales tech and the MarTech. And there's I mean, there's probably 7000 different technology platforms you could choose from. So I knew it was just a matter of time before we start to see that unified and and simplified. And I think I'm going to know the question of this, but you know, why did you start the the company? What was the the gap? Was it too many tech or where, what were you trying to solve when you originally started?
1: Like I think everything else in my life, I would say it's coincidence. And then you help, you identify opportunities. It was not planned. So everything started uh, like almost 12 years ago I, back then, I was still vice president in Amdocs when I was approached by two separate individuals that used to work with me and told me about investors who are looking for uh, someone to take an idea that they are trying to to make it work for like three years and without success. This was for warranties in the sky, okay. in the cloud, warranties in the cloud, and this is how we started. Actually, I. Uh, initiated everything as the name of the company was warranty.com for warranties in the cloud. Part of the solution of those warranties in the cloud was to provide real time information about sales, sell through information that you gather through the warranties that the retailers were issuing while they were selling watches. And it was mainly around the watch industry. Three years after with like 12 customers, iPad came out, it was around 2011, 2012. And when the iPad came out, we decided to provide this sell-through information on iPads, designed specifically for iPad, but still on a browser. And our cust- those 12 customers really loved it, but they told us, look, we need it to work offline, we need it as an application. And we said, you know what, let's do that. We did the application, we released it the App Store back then, and it was so unique back then to have a sales application with catalogs and that salespeople can take orders. And in like one quarter from 12 customers, I had almost 100 customers from all over the world, but they were tiny customers.
0: Got it. Okay. <laughs> simply,
1: well, simply bought it for like $28 a month per user and uh, started to use it. So this is how we moved into this sales application. The idea at the beginning was sales application for people that see the warranties, but very quickly we saw that the potential with sales application is way higher. if will drop the warranty, but this was pivoting and dropping what we were doing for like three years. Uh, so it was a tough decision, but we did it. And then while we developed that, we realized that Yeah, it's innovative for now, but this is a market that will diminish. It's too crowded. If we will not differentiate ourselves, we will not survive. So in 2014, 2015, we took a decision basically to drop again everything we did to the garbage and developed everything from scratch as an enterprise level and as something that will be able, back then it was iPad only, but something that will work on, iPad, iPhone, Android phone, Android tablets, and browsers, all from one business logic. And that it will be scalable and blah, 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 that it will be able to serve larger companies. And uh, We were aiming toward the mid-market and above. And then uh, we released this application. We called it Peppery. And later on, we changed the name of the company to be Peppery. And since then, we are developing this platform that we started in 2015, I would say.
0: Oh, that's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, you hear the stories of pivots, but you, you really did it twice where you started over. I mean, for right the right reasons, but that's, you know, it's a great lesson for folks that are starting a company. Be prepared to pivot, right? Don't fall so in love with it that you miss the, the bigger opportunity. I think we had
1: only one real pivot because... Pivoting technology, I don't think it's a pivot, although it's very problematic, you know, uh, especially, you know, when you have a product that is not mature, so you're always missing features and you want to continue to sell because this is your bread and butter, you know, you live from it. While you are actually not developing any further, starting something from scratch that is missing even more features. Right. So 2015 was really a challenging year, but we were able to continue the growth uh, even with in in uh, in such a situation. The first pivot is way more problematic because you have investors and you need to suddenly tell them, you know what, you invested for three years and it goes to the garbage. Right. <laughs> this is more problematic. And also your employees, they get it attached to the name, to the brand and to what... You- you were telling to the world, and suddenly you are changing it. Yeah,
0: and if I'm not mistaken, you this is bootstrapped, right? Your current company is bootstrapped. You've
1: we have uh, uh, individual, non institutional investors, okay. and uh, and we are profitable. We we do not need uh, uh, not that I'm opposing an investment, but we do not need an investment in order to continue. We are profitable. Yes.
0: Uh, that's refreshing to hear, right? There, you work with a lot of founders and talk with a lot of founders that it's all they're doing is fundraising and thinking about the next raise instead of, you know, what you're doing, making it profitable in the unit economics and you know how do we grow out of profits and it, good it, it opens up your opportunities, right? If you get the investment, you don't have you don't need the investment, which puts the the leverage back in back in your hands. So kudos on that.
1: Yeah, it's a different way of managing. You cannot you don't have. A pile of money that you are burning. You need to really live. Everything you do, you need to make sure that is really giving you the return and not stories, but the real return. Otherwise, you don't do it. Yeah,
0: no, it makes so much sense, and I wish more folks would take that path. And you know, hopefully, with you on the podcast, we'll help educate and enlighten a few to to consider it, if 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 at all possible. So along those lines, so back so 2015 when you you kind of move towards the enterprise mid-market. What did you do to get some of your first customers? And then I kind of want to get into then how did you expand beyond that? I'm just curious how you got the, the first folks on board with the new platform.
1: From the beginning, our technology on the mobile side was, I would say, and I might sound arrogant that our technology on the mobile side is more flexible than anything else I've seen on the mobile side. You'll find a very flexible solution on the web, like all the giants, you know, have very flexible web technologies, but you won't find uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with good, flexible cloud base. Uh, we are cloud and only cloud, which is another thing we insisted on. We are not developing two types, only cloud. So you won't find, I think, any mobile technology that is so, flexible in our ecosystem, I'm talking about, including those of uh, the giants, uh, I dare to say. I think it's we had this wow factor when we did demos uh, for customers that needed the mobile site. And then later on, as we catch up on it, then we started to also, this was our uniqueness to start with. You know, you always need to find the the, the hole, you know, where you can get in. Yes. And then on the web side, the, the, on the web technology side, the competition is way more fierce. But then once you can, we started with that and then complemented it with the web and later on started to develop much more on the web part. This is the way we got into the market. So at the beginning, mainly through mobile. Okay. And then, and then uh, in the last few years, we are winning deals with some of the largest companies in the world. Actually, Jana is working right now on uh, my marketing. Uh, my head of uh, product marketing is working right now on a press release. I cannot say yet the name, but it okay. will be published in the next two to three weeks of one of the largest food companies uh, in one of the largest countries in the world they are the number one in that country, that we won uh, purely on the B2B commerce side, which at the beginning we were not. At the beginning, it was just on the mobile side, on the rep side, uh, on the field solutions. So it's sort of evolution. You need to start where you are strong and be
0: very narrow and then you start to expand. Riches in the niches, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's 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 so interesting. And one congratulations. By the time this episode comes out, we probably could list it because it'll be public in a couple of weeks. But you know, I, a lot of the founders that I have on this show that have gone from you know I told you from kind of the startup to scaling, you know, eight eight figures, if you will, they all hit a plateau in growth at at some point, right? Whether what it turned out, a lot of them hit successfully sold into their network, but then then we had to start reaching new folks new markets it got much more difficult and some don't get by that and some took 12 months to figure it out I'm just curious how when you started to see that growth going how did you get new customers how did you get into new markets was it all referrals from customers because people seemed to love your product I'm just kind of curious how how you took the company to the next level after that after you had the early momentum
1: Actually in that respect Pepper is is quite the unique company again I would say we don't have any SDRs at all we don't do any outbound, I mean outbound calls. And we are not chasing new customers, phone calls, trying to persuade them. We are only dealing with customers that are approaching us. It does not necessarily mean that they are all referral, but it means that it's all inbound. The only thing we do in terms of outbound, we do nurturing and outbound email campaigns but that's it if they, if they are not approaching us and explicitly asking to be to be buying or interested in something we will not be approaching them and we will not be chasing them after a while in the nurturing program we'll drop them from the nurturing and that's it so in that respect i think it's way more efficient to do it this way uh, focus is always on being efficient as i said at the beginning we don't want to burn money the other thing uh, is really, and I don't think I'm saying something new here, we were talking about focus. Is really in everything you do, try to create momentum. In order to create momentum, you need to focus on geographies, you need to focus on industries. So you might have success in other places, but you cannot focus on those places. Make sure that your resources are focused on specific geographies that you can chew. <laughs> And on specific industries, in order to create the momentum, you don't want to be on an uphill battle all the time. On the contrary, you want to have, even if theoretically your market size is way smaller, in reality you'll see way more sales.
0: No, I love that, and I, I agree with you. The I mean, I came from the lead gen and you know SDR world a number of years ago, but you know we are in a digital first. I think the pandemic kind of helped you know slam the door on a lot of that efficiency of outbound outreach so you guys were ahead of your time a little bit was it a content marketing strategy and word of mouth and those things just quickly spread and then just had the the folks internally ready to take it when people actually did raise their hand and say hey we're interested right
1: yeah when you think about the salary of sdr and how much you can do with it in terms of content and in terms of creating an interest and the building you know this. I think it's way more efficient eventually, and it's sort of an asset that you all do things that you are doing as opposed to just calling them.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And you know, one of the typical things you'll hear from a newer founder is like, "Well, I think I'm, I'm ready to hire some salespeople." I'm like, oh, "Maybe, maybe not." Right? I think there's bigger opportunities, especially if you can drive the inbound piece. It makes your life so much easier. Let's start early, right? Start getting that word out and the content as early as possible. It's, I almost think it's a, well, I do think, I believe it's a, you know, cost of doing business is your content marketing strategy. You right? have to do it if you want people to find you. If not, you said you're going to burn a lot of cash, time, resources, trying to connect with people. Just, I'm curious, and I know you had some good momentum heading in before the the pandemic hit and curious what kind of impact that had on your business. Did you have to make any direction changes because, you know, I talked to founders that the pandemic, you know, was a blessing in disguise, which is hard to look purely from a business standpoint and other businesses obviously, like hospitality and those, you know, was not, you know, definitely a, a benefit. So I'm just kind of curious what happened kind of your business at the beginning. Did you have to make any pivots, you know, as we entered into this? We were very
1: lucky, I must say. Although it was a mixture of of things, uh, I I think we were lucky because three years ago, we defined the strategy of the company, go to market and product. We had an internal debate whether to invest more in uh, mobile and the relevant applications, or to invest more in b 2 be commerce. And we decided to invest more in uh, the b 2 be commerce space. And I don't need to tell you that uh, <laughs> the pandemic uh, really it was booming uh, on the B2B commerce. And I think the product reached the right level of maturity. The second part of 2019 okay. to really compete with the giant on a pure B2B commerce level without any mobile solution, which is really making it even, way more uh, appealing to our customers. So what I'm saying is you can judge Peppery on the B2B commerce by itself, browser-based, which is what most of our competitors are delivering, or you can judge Peppery on top of it on the benefit of, okay, you can now have B2B commerce, not just on your browser, but as out of the box, whatever you did on the back office, you're getting immediately a private label application on Google store and on the uh, iTunes, that is uh, branded and that is uh, is native, out of the box. Uh, So the second part of 2019, our browser-based solution reached a level of maturity that I can say we can compete just with that. And uh, so we were lucky. So when the pandemic started, what we've seen is uh, really an amazing acceleration of sales and B2B commerce and at least 50% of it was from our existing customers. We had customers that were really reluctant to move into B2B e-commerce before that because they thought their competitor would beat them with reps and they say, no, we want to give the personal touch and the order size will go down and the competitor will beat us. And suddenly the pandemic came and they were forced it was the only way to do business and they were panic. And the beauty is that with Peppery, they could be up and running with B2B commerce. I'm not exaggerating in two weeks because integration is there, everything is there. The only thing you need now is just to open the switch and define the look and feel. The processes are there as well. The, all the special pricing, everything is there already for each customer, including the promotions, everything is there. You just need to open the switch. So we were lucky in that respect. On the other end, we saw drop in number of users. People cancel licenses for the users because there were less people uh, in the field. And some companies really reduced the number of field sales forever, not just for the pandemic. So on the other end, we saw a decline there. And also, we saw a decline with some of the industries that we were serving. And you mentioned actually one of them, which is the hospitality. We had a very large customer that is number one in, uh, actually, I believe he's number one. I don't want to say his name, their name, because it's sort of a negative. (laughs) But uh, they they are selling uh, tourist presents, you know, all over the world. And they're number one. They have like 50 offices all over the world. The big majority of them are using us. And they went from 100 to 10%, you know, of what they used to. Something like that. Uh, so we saw that as well. And we lost customers that really lost their business. But all in all, even last
0: year, we were profitable. Yeah, that's fantastic. So and, yeah, you know, like I said, living in this world for 30 years, I know how needed this these solutions are and how outdated some of the thinking, well, right, we have to have a rep or when somebody's got to pick up the phone when they call the place an order and like, well, your customers probably would prefer to do it online. There's no reason you can't touch base with them. So I think we'll see an acceleration. So my guess is you guys are going to be busy for quite a while as some of the more mature industries try to catch up with the digital and the, the e-commerce portion of it, right?
1: We are seeing it now big time. Since the pandemic, we we saw, for example, in the food industry, they were really reluctant to do it because it's much more of of logistic. The the rep is there anyway, because it's sort of a replenishment process. And suddenly we see the food industry going there big time, not just in food, but this is just one example.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's like said, digital's here to stay. And, you know, that's why I'm so optimistic about certain startups having the ability to build a much leaner organization, more nimble, more efficient, built on, you know, data and digital going after some of these more legacy areas. I think it's a fascinating time we're heading into with, again, being the B2B person, right? I think it's, you know, it's going to be super interesting where, where this all plays out. So, you know, thinking back over the 10-year journey or even the more recent 5-6 year journey, is there anything you would have done differently? It sounds like you pushed a lot, of, a lot of the right buttons, did a lot of the right things. Is there anything you would have done differently?
1: Uh, it only sounds like that because now I'm smart enough. But I did all the mistake on, uh, you know, of not doing what I'm telling you you need to do. So, to start with, I went after too many industries. I thought it it will be easy because we were too successful so, at the beginning, you know, when you gather, you, know, you have a unique solution and everyone wants, uh, and it looks very appealing to everyone at the beginning. So, you say, why? Well, there's no need for a vertical focus. So, I made that mistake. I made a mistake before we moved to Peppery of trying to develop, being a small company, trying to develop Android and iPad solutions separately and Windows back then before we decided to drop it. And then I realized it's a nightmare. I need the cross-platform technology. And back then, there was no cross-platform technology. Even today, there's nothing that is uh, good as peppery for what we do. So we needed to develop a proprietary, but it took me more than a year to realize that and uh, to, to decide that we need to do peppery and throw everything to the garbage so i've made i have my shares of mistakes trust me if i'm smart today to tell you all those things is because
0: i made those mistakes right no i think that's what you learn and as long as you don't make too many of the, the big ones and learn from others right is, is part of the process so no it makes makes a lot of sense so as we before i get to my final question I just one more on on kind of the business and so what's next for you guys as we're you know rounding out here at the end of q1 and 2021. What do you? What's the focus this year?
1: The focus this year, we are working on two things. One of them I cannot share. Okay, fair and enough. We intend to release only next year. Hopefully, the first part, if not the second part of next year, we'll see. But uh, this year, what we are releasing to the market is more features within the B2B space that are just improving our. Our, you know our reach in terms of what we can do in terms of flexibility, we are releasing another layer of flexibility in our configuration, which again the uniqueness of that is that it works across the different operating systems, which again is very, very unique. but uh, we are not doing anything you know that is taking us out of where we're supposed to be. Next year it's a different story and we are working on next year as well. So, uh, but next year, we'll see.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I cannot talk about it.
0: No, fair enough. We'll have to have you back on maybe at the end of this year to touch base and, and see what's next. We
1: have to. And I
0: know you had mentioned earlier that the majority of the focus is on enterprise level B2B companies now. Is there? Mid size. Mid Mid-size. mid-size. Okay. mid-size. Mid,
1: mid to enterprise. I would say
0: companies that are selling uh, 100
1: million and above. Definitely. Not the tiny QuickBooks customers right. that uh, we used to serve when we started.
0: And we could probably have a whole other discussion on how to, if I'm smaller, to think about moving and morphing into the solution that, that you guys have to offer. Because that's a pretty big gap from, you know, call it a $10 million company to $100 million and a lot of the, the process and the changes that need to happen. So, so maybe maybe that will we'll, we'll get you to move downstream a little bit after you, you dominate the, the top end of the market.
1: So we, are, we are also serving those uh, QuickBooks through partners, but not direct. The problem is our solution is too sophisticated, became too sophisticated for a founder of a small you know, distributor, which is typically those QuickBooks customers that wants to use it, it might be confusing for him. And uh, for us, we prefer that partners will simplify it for him than that we will do, deal with it direct. So we have a mixture of go-to-market strategies, you know.
0: Awesome. Now it makes sense. And um, all right, as I, I, I warned you at the beginning, I'm always, I ask one final question and I'm really curious to get your your perspective on this. What is one thing offered that you would highly recommend, personal or business, professional, whatever, whatever's top of mind for you right now.
1: Make sure that you enjoy. I'm not sure how to say it, you know, but I'm sure I I don't think I'm unique in that respect. But uh, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, the minute you'll enjoy what you're doing is the minute you'll be good in what you're doing. And uh, if you're not enjoying, uh, you have a problem, a big problem. So you need to ask yourself and everyone has different question for himself, you know, what makes you happy? Uh, enjoy, I'm talking now on a professional life, although it's it's for everything you do, but uh, on the professional side is really uh, make sure that you enjoy what you're doing, uh, which means that you need to examine what whether your business is something that makes you happy, the people that you are surrounded by, and you need to enjoy, and I think if people see that you enjoy, then everyone enjoy it as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such good advice and so rarely taken, right? Because it is, if you don't enjoy the process and it can be a grind, right? I mean, you've got the momentum going now, but as you said, this is a a 10 year process for you. And if you wouldn't have enjoyed that the day to day and what you were working on, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. And I think, you know, some of the younger entrepreneurs and founders get caught up in the, the end game without realizing how much, time and effort <laughs> has to go into the, the process. And if you don't like that process, you may be disappointed by the time you know you get to the outcome that you're, you're looking for.
1: You always need to have this perspective of taking one step backward and say, look, it's such a great thing what I'm doing. It's, and I achieved so much. And I'm not talking about me right now. I'm talking in every step. And, okay, even if I'll fail eventually, I'm doing a great thing. I enjoy it. You know, Let's continue and uh, and even if you see a block and doesn't matter enjoy what you're doing yeah and it 100% will
0: pay it took me a while to figure that out but as i say better late than never and right there's no time like the present to to do it but yeah 100% agree with you. I think that's really good advice so awesome well offer i want to be respectful of your time i know how how busy you are any last parting words of wisdom for wannabe founders or founders in their early stage of their business
1: no i think we covered it all
0: we awesome. covered it all and thank you
1: very much. a uh, really pleasure. We'll be happy to revisit uh, end of year. That
0: sounds okay. sounds like a plan. And if there are folks that want to reach out and learn more about you, what's the best place for them to, to connect with you?
1: As always, peppery.com. You can go to peppery.com. You'll find all the information and you can also ask... Uh, if it's something, if someone wants to approach me, you can ask through the info at peppery.com.
0: Gotcha. And I would highly encourage people to check out your website. There's a ton of free content. The videos are on there. It's really well done, which goes back to our content strategy. So for a B2B site, it it looks almost more of a direct consumer with the feel and the. it's just really well done. So offer again, thank you very much for joining the program. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, best of luck. And we'll, we'll check back in with you in a, you know 6 months to to see where you're at thank you very very much bye bye all right have a good rest of your day thank you